0: You are on the line, live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga, online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're
1: on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Full studio again. Trevor back on the phone lines. Give him a call. He had a root canal yesterday. I hope you're doing all right, buddy. It's good to have you back. I was pleasantly surprised to hear that your mouth doesn't actually hurt today. It's wild. I thought if you'd have a root canal, you'd be in pain. Jacob, how you doing today, man? Doing good, man. I'm surprised that
2: Trevor is not in pain either, and I'm sure that's exactly what he wants to do is to talk after a root canal, but that's what he's going to do, so make sure you give him a call because we want to hear from you here on the line. Give us a call three three four three two one thirteen ninety 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888 888- 382-7502. We got a good show planned today and we want to hear from you on everything
1: that's on your mind in the sports world. A lot of great things coming up on the show today. We're going to open up the show talking about Auburn football, a topic that we have pre prepared that I think kind of coincides a little bit with the timeline that's been going on with the football team recently. We'll get into that in just a moment. Coming up in our next segment, we'll talk a little bit about Auburn basketball's trajectory going into the final four games of the regular season. Where is Auburn on your panic meter? It could be zero for you. You may not be panicking at all, but I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there a little bit uncomfortable that Auburn may not actually achieve what they know this team is capable of achieving considering they're 24 and 3 on the season we'll speak with Britt Bowen of the Auburn Sports Network coming up at 2 30 he'll talk some women's basketball as well as softball with us here on the program today a lot of great things going on here in hour number one if you miss any of it or if you're joining us in the future on our podcast on demand listen to us on apple podcast google podcast spotify and stitcher we're glad to have you here with us if you want to call in here live 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888 aside from our segment with brit bone we're going to be taking your calls all show long so we want to hear from you on anything going on in the sports world any thoughts that you've got we're going to open up the show here talking a little bit about auburn football the question of the day this is what we want you to call in about, or once again, anything else, but we're going to give you some food for thought if you need something to get your minds going a little bit. How do you feel about Auburn football's coaching staff heading into spring football? Of course, there is still one vacancy out there, and you and I didn't talk about this on yesterday's show, but it is interesting to me that Eric Keysaw, after all these reports, we thought as of Friday when the promotions were being made, we thought. He was still going to be coaching wide receivers in addition to his new offensive coordinator duties. That is not the case. He's going to be working with quarterbacks as well as, I'm sure, Brian Harson also. There's a wide receivers coach vacancy with this Auburn football staff, so there's still a little bit more there to go for this staff to be complete, but looking at the entire coaching staff, I'm going to go through everybody right here. This is going to be the complete coaching staff that we've got at the moment, looking at what is currently on AuburnTigers.com, Brian Harson, obviously the head coach, Eric Kiesau, offensive coordinator, Jeff Schmetting, defensive coordinator, tight ends coach, Brad Bedell, special teams coordinator and edge linebackers, Rock Bellantoni, secondary coach and associate head coach, Zach Etheridge, offensive line coach, Will Friend, back for his second year, strength and conditioning, Jeff Pittman, assistant coach and running backs coach, Carnell Williams, And then, uh, of course, associate AD and football chief of staff, that is Brad LaRondo. So looking at Auburn football's coaching staff at the moment... How do you feel about it heading into spring football, understanding that there is still a vacancy to be completed that is wide receivers coach? We're filled in your calls on that, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Jacob, I ask you that question now. How do you feel about Auburn football's coaching staff heading into spring football? What is your comfortability with this staff? Well, I mean, there's no doubt that
2: it's been a process to get where we are right now with this Auburn football coaching staff over the last month of the year of the, of the offseason, it's been a little hectic around the Auburn football program and it's been nothing less of a process to get to where we are. And I think with all of that being said, with everything that happened with the university and with Brian Harson and all the, of the controversy that went around this program and the national embarrassment that went around for the last or for a two-week time I think it's a pretty pretty good coaching staff that Auburn has put together for the football program because of everything that happened are these guys like the top dog like big name choices that Auburn would like to have no maybe not but not yet but I like the guys that are on the staff I like promoting from within after everything that went down because Auburn was not going to go out and hire somebody from outside after everything went down you're basically saying this is the best they could do this is the best that they could do with the basically they played the best hand with the cards they were dealt
1: well then let me change the question to you then because I understand giving them props and stating the fact that this is the best that they could do That doesn't change, though. You could still be very uncomfortable with the state of this coaching staff going into next year. So I do want you to answer the question, how comfortable are you? Even though this is the best that they could do, how comfortable are you with this group of coaches? Mm -hmm. It's okay to be uncomfortable.
2: I am a little bit uncomfortable. I don't think on the defensive side of the football, I like Jeff Schmetting as the defensive coordinator because you don't or you do No, i do i do like him because the word on the street is he was running the defense the last three or four games of the season where we saw the defense play lights out in the iron bowl against houston in the bowl game that type of thing so i like his position as the defensive coordinator i still like brian harson being the head coach of this football program and then when it comes to Keesaw being the offensive coordinator I don't really know what to expect. So you could say I'm uncomfortable with that just because I don't know what to expect and I don't know what this offense is going to look like. And I think there's word that Brian Harson is still going to have a big hand on 100%. offense. And so... What is that going to look like? It was different last year than it was under the Gus Malzahn era. There's no doubt about it. But what's it going to look like in year two? So I'm going to say I'm a little bit uncomfortable, especially on the offensive side of the football. And then there's just a lot of guys on this coaching staff we don't know a whole lot about.
1: Well, there's multiple elements that I want to talk about on the offensive side before we get to the defense. And I'll say this about the defense just before I go to the offense. I am much more comfortable with the defensive coaching staff this year, especially considering all the talent they have on that side of the football. I think it's an easier job for them transitioning from last year's staff to this year's staff, especially with the fact that there are still familiar names on that side of the football. Jeff Schmetting was there. Zach Etheridge was there. Rock Bellantoni was an analyst. He was there. Those guys... We're on that side of the football, having a heavy hand in it already. Not a lot has changed over there. Now on offense, there are some things that I'm comfortable with, some things that I'm uncomfortable with, and I'm going to start with something that I'm a little disappointed in. I wanted Eric Keysaw to still be coaching the wide receivers. I know you don't see that a whole lot. I know you typically see your offensive coordinator being your quarterback's coach. I get that. But I think we saw tangible improvement in the receiver room from when he took over for Cornelius Williams much needed improvement and I was excited to see what this receiver room was going to look like even without transfers coming in because they haven't had any yet and I was hoping they still could bring in some transfers and that's not me saying that they don't need transfers they do need transfers but I was excited to see how this group continued to improve after a full offseason under Eric Keesaw. he's got a great track record with some very very well-known receivers at the NFL level he's got the track record of developing talented wide receivers and I think there is talent in the room for him to work with albeit it's extremely inexperienced so I'm disappointed that he's not working with the wide receivers and instead he's working with the quarterbacks where I would imagine Brian Harson is still having a heavy hand with the QBs. so I'm not super worried about quarterback development because I think Brian Harson's going to pull the quarterbacks along I just wanted Eric Kiesel still with the wide receivers I would feel more comfortable if that was the case especially considering we don't know who's coaching the wide receivers right now but then again I'm not running this program I don't know more than Brian Harson. that's just a thought that I had that I found to be very interesting especially considering how hyped up Coach Key's track record with wide receivers were but when you look at it this way you talked about
2: the quarterback's going to be dragged along by Brian Harson because we saw what he was able to do in developing Bo Nix in just the year that he had him assuming that it was him and not Bobo agreed but i think there was some hand with Brian Harson i think 100% I there had to be right but i think with Eric Keesaw Yes, he has a good track record with wide receivers, and he can obviously develop wide receivers. We saw them get better throughout the year last year. No, they were not great, but they got better as the year went on. And I think as the offensive coordinator, he's still going to have a hand on the wide receivers for Auburn because if that's what he's good at, if we know that he's good at that, then he knows that he's good at that. And Brian Harson knows that he's good at that. So I think that Eric Keysall is still going to have a hand in developing wide receivers and making sure that the guys can catch the football, run the right routes, and be the best that they can be for Auburn. So I, I understand your concern, and it's a legitimate concern because you wanted him to stay with a, a, a position group that he was good at and good at developing but i still think he's going to have a hand on that just
1: because of his experience with wide receivers and maybe it will help out with the connection between the quarterbacks and these wide receivers considering they have no experience with each other whatsoever unless you're talking about tj finley or even Demetrius Davis to a small degree, but they have very little experience with this group of receivers considering so many have left the room due to graduation, transfer, being kicked off the team, whatever it may be. It's a new crop of receivers yet again, and so building that connection, there is a lot of overlap between coaching wide receivers and coaching quarterbacks because it's about the connection between the two, and so he's going to be able to bring that experience to the quarterback room. Of course, we're going to have to table that conversation until Auburn hires a wide receivers coach. Still talking about the offense, though, things that I like now, things that I'm comfortable with about the offense. I've got a couple of points here. I like Will Friend at offensive line. I think we saw improvement this year on the offensive line compared to what happened in 2020. 2020 was abysmal at pass protection. Bad. It was much better at run blocking. And coincidentally, this was a lot of the same offensive linemen. Granted, Tayshawn Manning and Alec Jackson, the entire left side of the line was different this year. So maybe that had something to do with this changing to be more of a pass blocking oriented line. And once again, I've gone to this point a lot. You got to be able to run the football effectively in the SEC. That's extremely important. But if people think this offense is about the running game, they're kidding themselves. This is a West Coast passing offense. And they want this group to be able to pass protect. And I was, imp- I was impressed with Almer's pass protection in large part compared to where they were at in 2020. Also, you, you hear from Nick Brahms, and this has got to weigh something to you considering he's a veteran and he's been on the offensive line for so long. He's been playing the position for so long. He says that you know now all of a sudden going into a senior season, he's starting to learn football IQ. He's starting to learn actually the mental side of the position going into a senior season. That is crazy compared to the fact that he's been there for four years under the previous coaching staff, and Will Friend now is teaching that. I'm just interested to see, and granted, Will Friend may not be the long-term option at O-line. There's still issues on the offensive line. I'm not saying it's perfect. It's still just an above-average offensive line to me, and some people may even disagree with that. I think they're lacking on some talent there, which is the previous coaching staff's fault, not Brian Harson's. I think they've got some guys that gel together fairly well. I think they've got some guys that understand the game fairly well, but they may not have the physical ability to finish guys, to be able to move earth. That's why they're having a hard time mauling in the run game, I think. But I do like their mental side. I do like the way that they approach the game. I think they've got good chemistry with one another. So I'm interested to see with another offseason with Will Friend how this group that has a ton of experience now – what does year two look like with them playing together? There's continuity on the offensive line for the first time in what seems like a very long time, and what does that actually do for Auburn? There's not just continuity in players returning, there's continuity in who's coaching them. And I agree. I think the offensive line has
2: shown improvement. I would like Friend as the offensive line coach. I also think he can recruit. I think he can recruit as well. Obviously, we have not seen that a ton in the last year, but we're starting to see the couple future classes now get some offensive tackle Brandon visits yeah getting guys getting some visits getting some offers to these to these top offensive tackles and offensive linemen in the future classes of 23 and
1: 24 so we'll know more at the end of this recruiting cycle what exactly. this staff can really do and exactly. i think wins and losses are going to have a heavy impact on their success in the recruiting trail and it will
2: and we're asked so... To everybody listening, if you're just tuning in, we're asking the question, how do you feel about Auburn football's coaching staff heading into spring ball, heading into spring practice? We want to hear from you. Give us your opinion. Give us a call here on the line, 334-321-1390
1: or toll free at 888-382-7502. Something else I'm comfortable with on the offensive side of the football, because I said there were multiple things that I was comfortable with. My second point here that I'm comfortable with on the offensive side of the ball, I like that Brian Harson's taking control. Now, I don't want this to turn into the Gus Malzahn saga of who's actually calling plays, blah, blah, blah. I don't want it to get into all that like it did with Malzahn, but I like that it's Brian Harson's crew on offense because it seemed like throughout the season, and by about the midway point of the year, I think many people were wondering this question, not who was actually calling plays, but was there some type of tension or disconnect between Mike Bobo and Brian Harson? in the way that this offense was being ran, in the vision for the offense, what they wanted it to be, because there are some games where it was about running the football, and there are other games where it was not, right? Just the way that the offense, the way that the game was called seemed to change to me at different intervals, even inside the individual football game, right? There didn't seem to be a lot of cohesion is the word I'm looking for, and I think the questions were answered about that when Mike Bobo was no longer the offensive coordinator days after or a day after the regular season ended after the Alabama game. I think that was answered for you. He was the first coach to go. Right? Exactly. And so I like now that it's Brian Harson and it's Brian Harson's dudes on offense. It may end up being a failure on offense. It may not end up working out. But what I like about it, not is that I feel comfortable or that I'm – projecting out that Auburn's offense is going to be great or anything like that but what I like is that we're going to know I like that we know that this is Brian Harson's vision that this is Brian Harson's offense and we can see what he's capable of doing with it rather than wondering is this his offense is there some type of pushback from the staff internally it's everybody on the same page I think everybody's going to be on the same page this year now it comes down to what can this guy do with everybody on the same page offensively and i do believe that there is going to be some more success and cohesion in the long run because of it. Well, it comes down to can you execute? Can you yeah. win ball games? Can you execute your
2: offense, put points on the Can you move the football, put points on the board, not just field goals every time? Can you put touchdowns on the board and can you win football games? And i think that's 100% what it comes down to and i agree. I like that Brian Harson has taken control, not just of the offense, but of this football program. I think that's the one thing that we can say coming out of all of the craziness that was two weeks ago. Because is, if
1: you fail, it's now all on you. And
2: it's on him, and that's okay. That's not something we had under the Gus Malzahn era. There era. Like you mentioned, you brought up a good point. There was always the debate... Oh, well, who's calling plays? Is it, is it Rhett Lashley or is it Gus Malzahn is it type Chip of thing? Chip Lindsey or is, is it, it Gus Malzahn? Malzahn? Exactly. But now we know this is Brian Harson's program. It's going to be his offense. Maybe not so much on the defense, but it's still his scheme and his mindset. This is his football program. And that can go one of two ways, whether it works or whether it doesn't. And it's going to be on Brian Harson because he he'll tell you he has a plan. He thinks he has the best plan. And so, whether it works or not, it's going to be on him. And I like it that way because that's how it is at all the top tier programs. Whether they win or lose, it's on the head football coach.
1: We're going to head to the phone lines now. Our first call of the hour, 334 321 1390 or toll free at 888 382 Ed is with us on the line now. Ed, how you doing today, my man? Uh,
3: hey, guys. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, and I'll agree with you on, you know, as far as this. With Gus Malzahn, I mean, this is his team. This will be, uh, you know, if, if you think, and you may, and I don't know, uh, but if you think that all the best coaches in the nation were hiding in Boise State and Auburn's in for a good, a really good year, but. Looking at the schedule, Auburn should win eight games pretty easily, you not right. you think?
1: Yes, I 100% agree with that.
3: Yeah, and I-, I-, I wanted to say one thing else. It is so good to talk to – I can turn on this station and hear somebody that is not trying to put Auburn basketball down. What I put up with for the last three hours when I tried to listen to this station, and I, I wound up going to other stations. But it, I, I really appreciate y'all having a program that doesn't try to put Auburn basketball down. I appreciate it. War Eagle, guys.
1: Appreciate you, Ed. Thanks for the call in 334 321 1390 or toll free at 888 382 7502 if you want to call in. I do want to add something before we go to break. Ed talking about the schedule. We've talked about the opportunity for this football team in 2022 and breaking down that the schedule's not that hard it's not we've
2: talked about that a lot and how auburn auburn should win eight games they should with the amount of not that there's a lot of great talent on the team but the amount of talent that they do have the schedule is very favorable for auburn to win eight games
1: and so for some folks out there i like that you point out the talent there are some folks out there that are going to look at the offense and be like man this team's not going to a bowl game there are some people out there saying that a lot of people are out there saying that that this team doesn't have the talent to do it there's a disconnect there between what they're saying and what I'm saying, and why we all agree on this, why we agree with Ed on this. The reality is, looking at the schedule, regardless to me of what's on the roster, this coaching staff has to find a way. I don't care what's on the roster right now. Ed is 100% right. You look at this schedule, it's favorable. It's as favorable as it gets for having Georgia and Alabama on the road, and you have to find a way to win eight regular season games under the schedule or else you may not have a job next year. Uh, that's a hundred percent you've got
2: to do it no matter the talent there's enough talent on this team for auburn to win some football games yeah and starting out the season with five straight home games and the hardest one of those being lsu an lsu team that's going to be mediocre at best under first year brian kelly Penn state
1: too i think
2: penn state is going to be tough but it's a winnable game it was a winnable game last year it was and auburn went to happy valley and should have won that game and the other sec game is missouri so You've got to start the season 5-0, oh, then you go on the road to Georgia. But there's favorable games all across the schedule. Auburn's got to figure out a way to get it done.
1: Let's take a quick break here. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of On The Line. You're On The Line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390 or toll-free. At 88327502. Big thank you to Ed out there for calling into the show. We're gonna pivot now from Auburn football. We're gonna talk a little Auburn basketball. But before we get to that, let's take a listen to the Radio Alabama Sports Minute. I'm Noah Gardner with your Radio Alabama Sports Minute college basketball's latest AP Top 25 was released with Auburn dropping one spot to number three after splitting with Vanderbilt and Florida last week. Gonzaga is the unanimous number one team in the country with number two Arizona, three Auburn, four Purdue, and five Kansas rounding out the top five. Auburn is one of five SEC teams to appear in the rankings with six Kentucky, 17 Tennessee, 18 Arkansas, and 24 Alabama being the other four teams to be in the top 25. As far as the biggest movers are concerned, Arkansas moved five spots up to number 18 and the biggest drop was Ohio State falling four spots to number 22. Number 24 Alabama basketball comes into tonight's game against Vanderbilt with a 17-10 overall record and 7-7 mark in the SEC. 14-12 Commodores are 6-8 in the SEC as they host the Crimson Tide and Memorial Gymnasium with SEC tournament seeding implications on the line. As of Tuesday morning, Alabama is favored by 4.5 points over Vanderbilt with the game at 8pm on SEC Network. Vanderbilt is coming off a 72-67 victory over Texas A&M this weekend, while Alabama is looking to bounce back from a nine-point loss in Rupp Arena at Kentucky on Saturday. According to Joe Lenardi's Bracketology, Alabama is currently a five-seed in the NCAA tournament picture. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's your Radio Alabama Sports Minute. Back live on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central, Alabama. That was the Radio Alabama Sports Minute. Let's talk a little Auburn basketball now. And we are taking your calls, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. we got about two minutes left here in this segment before we go to Britt Bowen of the Auburn Sports Network. Here's the question. We're fielding calls about this or anything else going on in the sports world. How do you feel about Auburn basketball's trajectory going into the final four games of the regular season there's been a lot made about this and yesterday I came to Auburn's defense and I still am coming to Auburn's defense where is Auburn on your panic meter and we'll
2: pick up on this after Brit. we have Britt on the show in the next segment. but we'll pick this topic back up so if you want to call in after that make sure you do that at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 we want to hear from you but my here's my here's my take on Auburn basketball before we head to break their trajectory their trajectory right now is it's like that, defibrillator <laughs> i'm convinced there's still not an r in the middle of that word but auburn is they're still a favorite to make the elite eight the final four and have a shot at making and winning a national title but there's no doubt about it but there are some things that have got to be fixed with Auburn basketball they can't
1: play it's an obvious answer they cannot play like they did against Florida in any NCAA tournament game other than against maybe the 16 seed and hope to move on exactly and I understand that sentiment but I also know you of all people understand that this team is more talented than 99.9 percent of college basketball and they'll figure it out they'll figure it out I'm confident in Bruce Pearl that to
2: figure it out with this basketball team because what do I always talk about Auburn basketball under Bruce Pearl in the month of February is always terrible. They're in, it's always bad. Just look at the record. But he always figures out a way because Bruce Pearl is one of, if not the, best coach in college basketball right now. He's got more talent on his team than anybody else in the country. And I'll argue that with anybody because it's true. He's got two first round picks on his starting five. But Auburn's going to figure this thing out. They're going to figure it out because we're a week away from March. March 1st is a week from today. At that point, you've got two regular season games, the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Bruce Pearl and Auburn basketball, they're going to figure it out.
1: Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to have Britt Bowen of the Auburn Sports Deck work with us here at 2.30 p.m. Stay tuned for that on the other side of this break. We'll be back in just a moment.
2: Welcome back in on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you today on the Tuesday edition of the show. We've got Britt Bowen now here with us from the Auburn Sports Network. Britt, how you doing? Hey, guys.
4: Doing great. How are y'all?
2: We're doing well. We want to start talking to you about Auburn women's basketball. Of course, they picked up their third ranked win of the season on Sunday break it down for us how did that how did it come to happen and what was the experience like for auburn to get their third conference win or excuse me their second conference win and their third ranked win of the season
4: man it was back and forth for three quarters i mean it it was one of those games where you truly had to grind it out both as a player and both as a spectator i think everybody was on their seats especially midway through the fourth quarter but Auburn simply did it with defense. I know, like in basketball, everyone loves the threes and and all the scoring, but to win at this level, you have to win with defense, and that's how Auburn won this game on on Sunday. They they finished the game um, holding Georgia scoreless for the last seven minutes and sixteen seconds. Georgia was held to six points in the fourth quarter, and Auburn was able to turn a. I think it was an eight-point an eight lead um, into a five-point win as Auburn ended the game on a 14-2 to two run in the last eight minutes. I mean, it, it was the best quarter of basketball defensively that Auburn had played this season. I, it, it really mirrored a, a lot of what Auburn did against Tennessee down the stretch in the second half of that one, but um, to come out and get a win against Georgia, who, by the way, has a very talented team, is just huge for this Auburn team, and I I think it proves, once again, you can't look at the record because if you sleep on this team, they'll beat you.
1: Taking a look at this Auburn women's basketball team and the rebuilding project that head coach Johnny Harris is doing, we had Jacob Hillman on yesterday, and a lot of other people are saying things similar to this, that she's building this program up similar to what Bruce Pearl did and the type of trajectory that that it had to take and where it was coming from. My question to you is, after this season, we're down to two games left in the regular season. After you've been with her for almost a full year now, you could see some cookie crumbs. What does it look like that she is building this program into? How has that process been this year?
4: Well, it's been a slow process, I think, if you would ask her. I mean, nothing happens overnight, right? If you ask Coach Pearl. When he did it for the men, it did not happen overnight. I think for Coach Pearl, it took four years until he he got the program up to national prominence where he wanted to be. And look, I I, I can't put a timetable on it. I wish I could. I wish I had that 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 crystal ball that I could that I could rub and it, it, it tell us what the future holds. All I know is that from what I've seen from this staff and what I experience day to day, they're doing things the right way. I mean that they, they had a top twenty-five recruiting class, which by the way is is step one. And number two, they're, they're getting the players in this program who didn't have a whole lot of success. They're, they're getting the most out of this roster right now, which is a great, great sign to come. Right. I mean, because taking a winless team to to a three top 25 win team, two wins in the sec is a pretty good seat. Not to mention Auburn just got um, to double digit wins for the first time in two years. Um, So the, the evidence is there the evidence is there that they are building how long will it take that remains to be seen it's going to depend on one how the freshmen come in and, and how well they acclimate next year and number two it, i think it's going to depend on the transfer portal also i mean it, it, the transfer portal you don't want to rely on it but it's certainly impacting the game and and, and i think auburn's going to have a chance to to sign maybe one or two it, i i think that's going to impact it as well but um, not, not before we even look forward to, to next year, I, I want to tip my hat to the players that, that's on this year's roster that decided to stay, that did not transfer, and decided to stick this out with Coach Jay. Because, um, you know, in, in four or five years, hopefully when, when, when a banner will be hung by that point, um, you know, Auburn is going to look back and, and, and remember who was here when it started. And, and it's every kid on this roster um, who was laying the foundation? Who got the win over Georgia Tech? Who beat Tennessee, a top five team, and who just beat a very good Georgia team? And who knows? I I, I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn went to Nashville next week and picked up a win. You know, I mean, it it is possible. So um, the, the the pieces are there. It's just going to take time, and um, it's going to take I think another good recruiting cycle or two. To get, to get Auburn up on the national stage where they want to be in the top 25.
1: You, you speak with so much confidence, and I love that. And there's so many people that are speaking. It's only been one year, and they're 10-15 and 15 overall and 2-12 and 12 in the SEC, and I'm not saying that to dog Auburn. I, I'm just painting the picture of you look sure. at what this season has been this year for Auburn, and there's so much confidence from so many people, not just inside the program and close to the program, but outside the program and watching this team. I think there's so much more confidence around this women's basketball rebuild than even what Bruce Pearl, the confidence that people had in Bruce Pearl and what he could take Auburn to. Where is the source of that confidence?
4: Well, I'll put it to you this way, and, and look—if you ask the coaching staff, if you ask Coach Starkey and Coach Harris, Coach Chappell and Coach Buchanan, if you ask them right now, I think they're still they're still a little a little impatient. I mean, the, the, those coaches are used to winning and winning immediately. They're, they're not used to to going through this slow rebuild that they're going through. So, I, I think that confidence comes comes from the fans because you. You look at the results of of this team this year, take away non-conference. If you look at the results just in the SEC, I think Auburn has had somewhere around eight or nine games that they lost by uh, single digits to to SEC opponents. And and some of those were top 25 opponents, right? So if you can cut those in half and say you get three, four wins, it's a totally different season right now, right? And I I think the difference comes in from the fans because – Contrary to 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 some to, to what some believe, people do follow Auburn women's basketball. People do care about Auburn women's basketball. They just never had a reason to show up in attendance until, well, this year. I mean, Auburn did not give them a product to 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 be excited about. And I, I think now this year's team, despite the record, the, the despite you know, being last place in the SEC, fans are seeing how hard these kids are playing. Fans are seeing how hard Coach Harrison's staff are coaching. And, and that's not to say anything negative about anyone in the past. It's just where we are present day. And uh, the fans see that change. And, uh, again, if you ask the coaching staff, they they may not agree with you on that right now. But um, they certainly felt the support on Sunday. There was a huge crowd in Auburn Arena on Sunday. I mean, Guys, I was expecting, I was expecting a, a, a little bit of a downer just coming in on a Sunday. Um, it being during during church time, eleven a.m. I mean, that's an early ask for fans, right? Well, the fans made a difference. The fans made a huge impact in the fourth quarter, and not only did, did I notice it, but but Coach Starkey noticed it in the Regions Bank Postgame Show. Coach Harris pointed it out in the postgame show, and she even tweeted about it after the game. I mean, Auburn's got a got a great opportunity. I think, to become one of the best atmospheres in women's basketball with with, with what this staff is building.
2: Well, Britt, there's no doubt that we would all love to see the now-named Neville Arena full of 9,000-plus for an Auburn women's basketball game in the future. And, of course, we're talking to Britt Bowen of Auburn Sports Network. And I want to ask you about Auburn's next game for women's basketball coming off the Georgia win. Now they invite a 20-win Ole Miss team on Thursday night into Neville Arena. What's your scouting report on Ole Miss, and what do you expect to see from the Tigers?
4: Well, this Ole Miss team is really good, first and foremost. Um, I I was looking at their resume yesterday, beginning my prep, and um, looking at their losses, I only think they have one loss to a team outside the top 25 and excuse me they have two they have two to one to mississippi State, and one and the others to belmont a belmont team that auburn beat in non-conference play i mean this team is 20 and 6 guys i mean this is one of the the best turnarounds in sec women's basketball this year and what coach yo has those kids doing is 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 pretty remarkable so um if auburn fans think this is the old miss team that, that came in here two years ago that was in Auburn's stance, uh, well, last year winless in the SEC, you're totally wrong. Coach Yeo has completely flipped this program. Auburn fans tonight can get a preview of Arkansas. I, I hope to do the same at home, or excuse me, get a preview of Ole Miss rather If they play Arkansas tonight. It's a makeup game on the SEC Network Plus. So if you want a good want a good scouting report, tune in. But um, for, for Ole Miss, looking at them, they have a couple really good players on the roster that. Um, Auburn's going to have their hands they're they're hands full with I mean Ole Miss per game they're led by their defense I think they only give up around like 50 points a game or something like that and um, they're really good there but um, Shakira Austin is one of the best players I think Auburn will see this year um, I, I think behind Boston and uh, the, the kid from Kentucky I mean she's up there she's she's one of the top five best players in the SEC and it's going to be a battle on Thursday night, but it will be senior night, and Auburn's got a chance to do something that they haven't done in three years, and that's when back-to-back SEC games. So um, For Auburn, people think that this season's over. It's a the wash. No, there's still a lot to play for this for this team. It's to get back-to-back wins, to beat a really good Ole Miss team, and then have a chance to go to Kentucky and go into the SEC tournament with a little
3: momentum.
1: Switching gears now to Auburn softball with Britt Bowen of the Auburn Sports Network. This team put college softball on notice this past weekend, collecting four wins in Clearwater, Florida, including a 6-2 win over a nationally ranked top 11 Texas team. Your thoughts on what Auburn softball did this past weekend as now they're up to number 21 in D1 softball's top 25 rankings.
4: Oh, it was incredible. I mean, the, obviously the offense. Uh, um, I think it put up some numbers that, that certainly um, it caught the eye of some people. I think Amanda Scarborough is, is one that, um, that 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 tweeted out that hello Auburn offense from the weekend, and um, th- those kids deserve the recognition. I mean, that that's one of the most prestigious non-conference tournaments in college softball, and those kids just went and won four out of five and. And lost to a very good UCLA team. Hats off to the Bruins, but for Auburn to beat South Florida, which is a consistent NCAA tournament team, Texas, another team that that, that was uh, vying for the College World Series last year, then Texas Tech and Wisconsin, two respectable programs. I mean, that's huge. I mean, especially as Auburn, folks, if you remember, I mean, Auburn's got the youngest team in the SEC by, by roster. So, um, to go on the road and win four out of five is big. But the, the question is now, how do you build on that? All right. You got to go to Jacksonville State, a team that had Auburn's number the last time they played in the NCAA tournament down in Jacksonville, or excuse me, down in Tallahassee a few years ago. So I, I want to see this team build on it. Um, I, I look forward to, to, to uh, Maddie Penta and Shelby Lowe getting better in the circle and, and hopefully not sure when we'll see KK Dismukes, but, I'm looking forward to KK's return as well because KK, uh, if she gets healthy, will will certainly bring a lot of depth to the circle.
1: Fourteen more non-conference games before SEC play gets started on March 11th against Texas A&M. You look at the schedule, is it fair to say that this is a team that could be one loss going into SEC play?
4: Look on, on paper, you you would love to say that, but look in, in the game of softball. I, I'm not going to sit here and, and disrespect any opponents Auburn's about to play. On paper, yes, it it, it, it you would like to think Auburn could be a one loss team, but softball and baseball are weird games, man. I mean, it, it's hard to predict non conference midweek baseball and softball, right? So. Um, for, for Auburn's sake, I certainly hope they're undefeated, but if they slip up and lose one, listen, that happens It's much like college basketball. You just simply aren't going to go undefeated in this sport for Auburn's sake. I hope they do go undefeated. Um, but uh, again, to, to, to to say whether or not they'll win, what 19 in a row, um, again, that that, that's tough to predict, but I, I will say that they certainly have the capability to do it if they play their brand of softball.
1: Brent, we appreciate your time with us today, my man. I hope you have a good rest of your week and a great call on Thursday night against Ole Miss.
4: Hey, guys, appreciate it. War Eagle.
1: That was Brent Bowen of the Auburn Sports Network with us on the Tuesday edition of the show. When we come back, we are going to wrap up our number one, continuing our conversation about Auburn basketball's trajectory going into the final four games of the regular season. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Welcome back in on the
2: line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goetz, Noah Gardner with you today on the Tuesday edition of the show. We just got off the phone with Britt Bowen of the Auburn Sports Network. He broke down some Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. If you missed anything of the show, just look up on the line wherever you get your podcast. Noah, we want to continue the conversation we were having before we had Britt on the phone, and that was... How do you feel about Auburn basketball's trajectory going into the final four
1: games of the regular season? And the question that we asked everybody and what we want people to call in about is where Auburn is at on your panic meter right now and it's at zero man I'm not panicking I'm not scared I'm not going to make sweeping over exaggerations about this team I'm not no hyperbole I'm not going to be worrying about this team whatsoever so they've had a couple of not so great performances. They're still 4-2 and two in the month of February. They've got some solid wins in the month of February, including one over Alabama, who is now a top 25 team. When they're at home, they win by double digits. A lot of times it's by 16, 17, 18, 19 points, right? Of course, they've had some less than optimal performances on the road. We've seen some losses to some good teams on the road. Say what you will about Florida. They're 17-10. to 10. It's the exact same record as Alabama they're what they're at 500 at SEC play at seven and seven they're still not a tournament
2: team yet according to Joe Leonardi's bracketology this morning they are the next four out not the first four out so they're in that they're in that that five to eight team range outside of the NCAA tournament but they're still decent they still play competitive ball
1: they're a good basketball team and they will at least be in a postseason tournament whether it's the NIT or the NCAA tournament they're going to have a chance here down the stretch they play Arkansas tonight they're going to have a chance to play their way into the NCAA tournament. Their season is not over yet, and I think they can beat Arkansas tonight. It's at home. Now, there could be a little bit of a hangover with that, and this segment's not about Florida, so I am going to veer away from that. We'll talk about what's coming up in college basketball tonight later on in the show, but I'm not panicking about Auburn. Likewise, and I've said this for the past two months, and now everybody's beginning to realize it because Auburn started to lose games. I've been saying for the last two months that there's some things that even when they were winning, and they were winning by double digits, like 15 points— I was like, look, this trend cannot continue or else eventually they're going to start losing games. You just hope those losses don't come in a tournament setting like the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament that cost Auburn a conference championship or an NCAA tournament championship. And I still hold to that. These things need to improve. But I'm also going to now that people are beginning to see this and some people are beginning to really get after this team and in some ways panic a little bit too much on social media. My response to this is, Chill out. This team is more talented than 99.9% of college basketball. They're definitely a national championship contender. Everybody's got issues. I would much rather be figuring out Auburn's issues with Auburn's level of talent than other teams' issues with their level of talent. Auburn's in a much better place than everybody else is in college basketball, even with a not-so-optimal month of February where they still went 4-2, and two, guys, and they're 24-3. And we're we're asking the question,
2: where is Auburn basketball on your panic meter? Give us a call. Give us your thoughts on what you think about Auburn basketball at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you.
1: And what's funny is now all of a sudden that Auburn's starting to lose games, it's all of a sudden the popular take, oh, Auburn may lose way too early in the NCAA tournament. Now all of a sudden people are trying to look smart about it. It's like we've been saying this since when Auburn was on a 19-game winning streak, right? It's easy to make those types of comments when a team is losing. But the reality is this has been true for this team even before they were losing games. The situation has not changed. Auburn's been needing to improve for a month and a half now. They've been needing to kick it to another level and I'm still erring on the side, and why I'm not panicking whatsoever is I know how good this team is. And we've got past precedent with Bruce Pearl dealing with teams that have been a little rocky in the month of February, as you've pointed out many a time. In 2019 and in 2020, less than optimal February's. Auburn turned it on in March and was playing their best basketball at the end of the season. So. That was the Final Four run, and that was the year that the pandemic shut everything down. I just think it's time for people to pump the brakes a little bit. Everything's going to work out. They're going to punch through this slow stretch. They're going to punch through it, and they're going to be playing better basketball when it counts. And maybe it is something as simple as they're just shooting a Nike basketball as opposed to a Wilson basketball. I think that is a thing. Just chill out. It's going to be okay. The NCAA tournament's going to work out just fine. This is still... Do not overreact and send this team out in your bracket at the Sweet 16 or something like that. This is a team that should very well at least be playing into the Elite Eight come March. But I think that view can change depending
2: on how Auburn plays in the next six to eight games, four in the regular season. I don't think and then it changes the ever.
1: I don't think it changes ever for me.
2: Even if they continue to play the way they are and they they have four games left, let's say they lose at Tennessee, they win the next three, or whatever. They go three and one to end the season and they lose in the SEC tournament. So you're telling somewhere. me they're
1: twenty seven and four at the end of the season. Oh my gosh. But
2: I'm I'm not saying I'm not looking at the record. <laughs> I'm looking at how they're playing. What's my biggest thing on a basketball team? What is it?
1: But what I'm saying to you is and the I get what test. you're saying. You're right. The eye test. I get what you're saying. But what I'm saying is, although that may be true, the innate thing with this team, what what it what is true about this team is that there is an innate level of talent. That eventually they're going to overcome this I I truly believe that I'm never going to write this team off and say that they are not going to go the distance maybe not in the national championship but that they're not going to achieve everything that we thought they could achieve because innately there is a higher level of talent than everywhere else in college basketball other than one or two teams
2: and I trust in Bruce Pearl and I trust in the athletes on this team because they have more talent than anybody but I'm just saying there's definitely some problems that have got to be fixed. And they cannot continue to play the way they're playing right now. I still believe that they're going to make a legitimate push for a national
1: title. That's it for hour number one. Hour number two coming up at 3 p.m.
0: You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Hour number two of On the Line. One more hour to go here on the Tuesday edition of the show. Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama or On Demand wherever you get your podcast. We're going to start off hour number two with making headlines as we do every hour number two of the show. Making headlines. All right, taking a look at the headlines around sports today, mainly what is pertinent to our audience out there but some other things on the outside on the peripheral and college basketball we are still taking your calls phone lines are open for all of our number two anything that you want to talk about we opened up the show today talking about Auburn football's coaching staff heading into spring football how do you feel about that as well as how do you feel about Auburn basketball's trajectory going into the final four games of the regular season where is Auburn at on your panic meter and it's okay to say zero because I'm with you don't panic everything's gonna be okay everybody we've been talking about this for a month and a half they're gonna figure it out but we're gonna start off hour number two with making headlines you can call in anything that you want to talk to us about just because we're talking about making headlines doesn't mean we won't pivot for you in our first headline we didn't really break this down enough we talked about this a little bit at the end of the show the latest AP top 25s released for college basketball yesterday and Auburn only drops a spot to number three was a little surprising for us but we'll go through the entire top 25 here I'm going to read through it all one Gonzaga they are the unanimous number one team in the country with 61 first place votes two Arizona three Auburn four Purdue five Kansas thoughts Jacob on that top five right there anybody missing from the top five that should be there how would you rearrange it because I know on yesterday's show I'm putting you on the spot now you think there are a lot of teams inside the top 10, not just the top five, that are playing better than Auburn. So how would you rank it, Mr. Itest? There are definitely teams
2: playing better than Auburn right now. Does that mean they're better than Auburn in the long run? No. But there are some teams that I, in my opinion, that are playing better basketball than Auburn right now. And you want to look at it, Gonzaga is, Arizona, Kansas, are, Is Arizona Kentucky, playing better than Auburn? I would say think so with the competition yes that's a little watered down like but if you
1: threw them in the sec would they not be having the struggles that Auburn's having right now they very well might they so very I don't well think might. it's fair to say with a 12 point win over a Washington state where it was really close for a little bit and Washington state's probably below 500 in the sec I'm not with you there on Arizona I'm not quite there with you on Purdue, considering they lost by 24 to Michigan the other day. I didn't say Purdue. You didn't say Purdue. You think Kansas is though? Kansas, okay. Take Arizona. I'll give out of you it. Kansas, considering the strength of schedule. They're playing a top 25 team every night.
2: Gonzaga, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, and Texas Tech. I think those teams, and you could put Villanova in there maybe. I think those teams, and they're, I'm not saying those teams are better than Auburn. All those teams are in the top 10 for a reason. They're playing, they're playing good teams night in, night out. They're beating good teams night in and night out besides Duke they're playing in the ACC which is obviously a weaker conference compared to some of the others but the SEC the Big 12 and the Big East those are all tough conferences those are top three conferences of college basketball so any team that's winning those conferences and winning games inside that conference and they look good doing it they look like they have a flow on offense and on defense they're playing better than Auburn right now and that's not a hit that's not a a hit on Auburn so
1: where would you have
2: Auburn right now In the AP poll. I really thought Auburn would be 4 or 5 in the AP poll, which is not a huge drop, I understand. They're 3 right now. But I really, really did expect
1: either Kansas or Kentucky. It's the respect for the body of work, and it's the respect for the SEC. Yeah, I 100% agree. Which is wild, because most of the time, the SEC does not get this respect in basketball.
2: But it shows how deep the SEC is, whether they're ranked or not or making the tournament or not. We talked about this three or four weeks ago when I first joined the show, how the SEC is just going to obliterate themselves and and kill each other because they play each other so hard and teams are going to beat other teams night in and night out
1: I think that take though is getting I think that take is getting debunked a little bit where we stand right now with the way that bracketology looks and the way that Alabama and LSU have recovered from some tough stretches the SEC has only lost one of their original seven that was projected to make the field and that's Florida and they're on the next four out and they have a chance to play their way in right so I, I know what you mean by the SEC cannibalizing itself because you've got a five seed right now, according to Joe Lenardi in Alabama, that's 17-10. And, and you have a team that's in the next four out that just beat the number two team in the country that's also 17-10, has the exact same conference record. I get what you're saying about the SEC cannibalizing itself, but they're getting so much respect exactly. that it's actually not hurting them in the tournament field.
2: No, I agree. You're 100% right. And I was going to say that is... Yes, the SEC is is hurting itself, kind of. I mean, even Tennessee
1: with seven losses was a top 16 seed in the NCAA tournament when the field was released by the committee this past weekend. And that just shows the respect that the
2: SEC is getting to how deep it is and how good it is. And so when you fill out the rest of the top 10 of the AP poll, you've got Kentucky at six, seven is Duke, eight is Villanova, nine Texas Tech, and ten is Baylor. I mean, that's a strong top 10, man. And that they're all playing fairly well right now. Baylor is, unfortunately, they've got some some injury struggles that is going to limit them when it comes to the tournament. They're still a good team, but the injuries are going to hurt them. But I think all of those teams in the top 10 are playing pretty good basketball as of right now. You know, a couple teams like Auburn or Purdue that have struggled as of late a little bit. There are only
1: two teams that you said that are playing better than Auburn right now. I don't know did you say Villanova as well I said you could put them in there there are a few teams that I take issue with saying that they're playing better than Auburn right now because I think the competition that they've been playing against and the way they've played against said competition don't hate on the Big East now their eight point win over Georgetown's not that good Villanova's
2: don't hate on the Big East now you want to hear who Villanova's played in the last two weeks 24 Marquette 17 UConn eight Providence they've got 21 UConn uh tonight, tonight and 11 providence next week they've got top 25 what's the record games. over the last
1: two weeks let's Is see four
2: zero in february they are five and one in february
1: and auburn's four and two in the month of february and i do think you look at the competition you can make a good point that villanova's played some tougher teams i just also I don't know, man. I look at it, and I don't think there's a whole lot separating them there. I know you're talking about the eye test, but even watching them, once again, I go back to there's some close calls to get some subpar competition in that league, and
2: Auburn's done some the not same so thing great teams in the SEC. And I'm not, again, I'm not hating on Auburn because I think Auburn can be better than all of these teams, yes. and Auburn can win the national title. They have, they are more talented than anybody in the country. Don't please don't get me wrong if you're listening. I'm saying right now, as of Tuesday, February twenty second, which is two 2-2, two. It's two twenty two twenty two. I get what you're saying. Way. I just disagree
1: but. with some of these teams. I take some issue with some of these teams. If you want to say Villanova, fine. They're five and one in the month of February, and they're playing in what may be the most difficult conference in college basketball. But Duke, I will not get there with you on Duke. They're struggling with teams that are a Vanderbilt caliber, only beating teams like Boston College by eleven. There was an eight-point win in there to, like, a Clemson. They lost to Virginia, who, once again, you break down the record and what they've done over the last couple of weeks. Is it really that much better than Vanderbilt, who's one win away tonight against Alabama for me at 15-12 and 7-8 and, seven and eight in the SEC? You know, these teams, if they were – Taken and translated over to the SEC, where would they be at? And they would be bottom feeders. And Duke has struggled with some of those teams. Would Wake Forest be a twenty-win team in the SEC? No way. I don't believe it. And they only get a two-point win over them uh, at home, right? I just, I'm not, I'm not there with you over Duke. I'm not there with you on Duke, and I'm not totally there with you with Kentucky, considering how they were beat by Tennessee. And granted, that was on the road, but Auburn wasn't losing like that on the road to Arkansas. And I think those are comparable environments and comparable basketball teams and road trips. And Kentucky last week didn't look that great. They played Alabama, only won by nine at home. Auburn beats Alabama by 19 at home. But look at the scoring differential in the second
2: half, or the shooting differential in the second half of that game. Now, I did say Duke yesterday. I will take Duke out of there today. But And I did have Duke in my original five today. I have Gonzaga. I have kansas kentucky nova and texas tech i think those five teams inside the top 10 are
1: playing better than auburn right now but in the last two and a half weeks texas tech got beat by 15 to oklahoma so that's where i go back to like i understand what you're saying and maybe over the last week and a half that may be true but all of these teams have major issues where they too get snatched up by somebody and when they get snatched it's ugly. Let's just be real. That 15-point loss to Oklahoma, that's ugly. That's not happening at Auburn. When Auburn loses, it takes every fiber of those teams' beings. Everything has to be pulling together for them to beat Auburn. That's not the case for all these other teams. And when they lose, it's ugly. They lose by double digits. And that's Auburn's
2: talent. That's Auburn's talent level in the head coach, Bruce Pearl, being as good as they are. And that's why we've been talking about Where's Auburn basketball in your panic meter in the first couple segments? That's why I'm not panicking too much about this team because we know what Bruce Pearl can do with a basketball team. We know what a Auburn can do when it March. When the calendar hits March, it's a different animal in the last five years for Auburn basketball. But at the same time, there's a few things that have got to change, and that doesn't that that is for all basketball teams right now, but especially for Auburn. But when you look inside the top ten. If any of those teams in my opinion maybe outside of arizona and baylor due to injury or duke possibly i think any of those teams can push and compete legitimately for a national championship
1: let's move outside the top 10 now in the ap poll number 11 providence at 22 and 3 they took a loss last week to villanova kind of their first substantial game in In the Big East against one of the major power brokers and although they competed and ran with Villanova still a lot left to be desired there the first time you're really thrust onto the national stage is going to be a tough last two weeks for Providence in the Big East the first time you're really thrust onto the national stage and you lose is not a good look for this Providence team. That's why they're outside the top 10. That's why they're one of the lower top 16 seeds. UCLA at number 12, Wisconsin at 13. They move up two spots. They're 21 and five, kind of sneaky in the Big Ten right now. 14, Houston, and 15, Illinois. Thoughts about this area inside the top 15, or should we keep moving on?
2: Well, you got two teams from the Big Ten. We didn't mention them. I, I put them up there as a competitive conference in college basketball because there's quite a few teams that can compete. You've got Wisconsin, you've got Illinois, you've got Ohio State. Those teams are going, in Purdue, of course, inside the top 10. I Those still teams, don't think
1: you can write off Michigan State, despite the fact they have been removed from the top 25 this week.
2: I think they'll compete as well. And uh, again, Ohio State down inside the top 25. They, they, um, they beat Indiana last night in overtime. The Big Ten's going to be, they're going to make some noise. And again, Michigan State there's going to be some teams that make some noise from the Big Ten. I don't see a Big Ten team winning it. Purdue's probably their best shot, and I don't see that happening. But, no, we can keep going through the AP 25. I
1: mean, what, the Big Ten hasn't had a national champion since 2000? 2000. 2000 with Michigan State. All right, let's keep going on. 16 USC, 17 Tennessee, the next SEC team to appear since Kentucky at 6. 18 Arkansas, 19 Murray State, 20 Texas. 21 UConn, 22 Ohio State, 23 St. Mary's, they enter the poll this week, 24 Alabama, they move up a spot, and then 25 Iowa, they also enter the rankings. Thoughts here as we round out the last 10 spots of the AP Top
2: 25. You've got some SEC teams, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Alabama, all teams that can make noise in the SEC tournament first, and then in the NCAA tournament. There's not going to be many teams that want to play and match up against a Tennessee, Arkansas, or Alabama in the first or second rounds because those are teams that may not be able to make a legitimate push for a national title, but they can do some damage when tournament time comes.
1: Alabama basketball. This is our next headline as a part of making headlines. This is going to coincide a little bit with what we were just talking about with the AP Top 25. Alabama basketball, they're at Vanderbilt tonight with SEC tournament seed implications on the line. If Alabama loses tonight, they're 17 and 11, and they're below 500 in the SEC. That's going to take you out of NCAA tournament contention most years. But this Alabama team right now is a five seed at Joe Lenardi's updated bracketology this morning. What does a loss to Vanderbilt tonight if Bama loses on the road in Memorial Gymnasium? What does a loss do to this Alabama team? I don't think it takes them into a difficult place with NCAA tournament implications. It should. It It
2: should. It won't, because here, you know my take on this. Bad losses, or good wins don't make up for bad losses, in my opinion. I think it does. And I don't see that, and the tournament doesn't see it that way either. Alabama... I mean, they could lose out, man. They could lose the rest of their games before the NCAA tournament, and they're still going to put them in there because they beat Gonzaga back in non-con. I don't know play. if that's
1: true. They I bet they They would. couldn't be three games above 500 or anything like that, which is so wild to me that they're a five seed in the field right now. It's too high because if they were to lose three straight games, they're on the bubble. You can't tell me they're not on the bubble. That's 17 and 14. They'd be several games below 500 in the SEC. I would love to believe you. And the reality is Alabama does not have an easy schedule down the stretch either. This Vanderbilt team is, is not a cakewalk. They are 6-8 and eight in the SEC. They've pulled off some wins, and they're going to be able to run with you from an offensive standpoint. Ran with Auburn for a little bit back on Tuesday night on the road, or Wednesday night, excuse me, from last week. So that's what, once again, I go back to the loss for Alabama tonight. If that happens, if they lose on the road at Vanderbilt, it's more of an SEC tournament issue. But they do have some tough games, and Alabama can't – they are not a lock yet. I think they're in a really great place, considering they are believed to be a five-seed. But like you said, if they were to be disassembled down the stretch here, I, I don't think that they would be a tournament team. I think, I, I think this Alabama team still has some work. They can't fall apart, but they are in a great spot. And,
2: but a, a loss at Vanderbilt tonight, is, it, it hurts. But I don't think it puts them out of the NCAA tournament just yet. Oh, but, definitely
1: not. I think it maybe drops them a seed line.
2: Or two. I mean, I think it could – they're a five seed, man. But the That's wins. so high.
1: We've seen every single bracketology, I think, in the top 16 being revealed this past weekend. The wins matter.
2: Yeah, they do. And But here's what I'll say about the game tonight for Alabama playing at Vanderbilt. There's one thing that this Vanderbilt team can do and do really well. Score the basketball. I mean, this team, they, like you said, they ran with Auburn for a pretty good amount of the game. They jumped out on Auburn early in that game, and they can score the basketball. Now, defense, not so much. But what can Alabama do? They can also score the basketball and not play defense. So I think this game tonight, the over-under is 153.5. So that's a lot of points. Alabama's favored
1: by 4.5.
2: That's a lot of points for college basketball. And, I mean, that's that's saying both teams are going to score in the high 70s when you break it down. And I think that could be even more. That may be a little low for these teams, especially if Alabama starts shooting the ball – like they did in the first half against Kentucky. If you take, if you take the line and you take the implied final score, they've got Alabama winning 79 to 75 would be the final score if everything were to hit. And so I could see both of these teams getting into the 80s or the high 70s. Alabama getting in the 80, but both teams can score but neither one can play very good defense. So it just depends, but the public's loving Alabama on the money line. You know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Duh, duh, duh. always fade the public no um <laughs> but what what is one thing that we know sec road games are hard to win i don't care who it is i don't care if it's bottom feeder georgia
1: vanderbilt whoever they're hard games to win do you have a pick for this game mm. knowing what i just said you want to get spicy do you think the upset happens no
2: i think i think alabama will play well enough they're not going to play great because I still don't think they're a great basketball team. But if they're going to play a
1: great defensive team at Vanderbilt, though. They hold opponents to 66.7. I shouldn't say great, but they're a good defensive team. That's better than I thought. 66.7 points allowed. Bama. It's 328th in the country in points allowed per game. Just but Vanderbilt, point that out.
2: Vanderbilt only scores 69 points a game. I'm kind of shocked by that. I figured sure, they'd be on Alabama score more.
1: on the road. Probably. I mean, if they're not shooting the ball well, and let's just be real, Memorial Gymnasium because of the backdrop, because of the way that the gym is structured, it's a tough place to shoot the basketball.
2: Yeah, I would hate. I would hate to play there. I I just would not like it. The bench is being under the basket and stuff. I don't think so. But I don't know, man. Vanderbilt
1: I, just beat a And M by five come on man come on with it what are you asking me what i want to see or what i think's gonna happen here that's fair you think alabama's gonna win i get it i
2: think alabama wins this game if anything i'd take the over i think these teams are just gonna score run up down the floor and just lay it in every time and whoever gets the ball last is gonna win i think i don't know but i think alabama wins i think this is a game that they they feel that they need to have nate oates has made some comments about the team and he said look, if you don't play defense, you're not touching the floor. And I think that's probably going to get a little bit of response. But to counteract that, he said stuff like this before this season, and they continue to play the way they play. So we're going to find out, man. We're going to find out. But I think Alabama, they love the, – the committee loves their wins too much that they'd put them in if they lose out. I think. so.
1: I still go back to the point that I made, and then we're going to transition to our last headline under making headlines. I'm still going to make this point. If it wasn't Alabama – If you change this team name, if this was Florida with the wins over Gonzaga and Baylor and Houston, Houston, you would rather that team be in the NCAA tournament than some random team from the Mountain West or the WCC that had a similar record, maybe had a couple more wins, but they also played a cupcake schedule, right? I would rather these teams be in March because they have more opportunity to... And, they're, and they play better basketball. They just have better players. Alabama has better players than the average mid-major that's on the bubble right now. They do. Jaden Shackelford, Javon Quinterly, all those guys are better. You didn't say J.D. Davison. Fair. Keon Ellis, I'm not saying J.D. Davison. Those know, three guys, the, the, back, the starting backcourt is better than what is, on average... What you're seeing uh, on on the best players at some of these teams on the on the mid major bubble, and I'd rather see the best teams in the NCAA tournament when it's all said and done. Even if you are an Auburn fan, you don't want to see them in the NCAA tournament. I get it, but uh, they are still they've done enough, I think, to be deserving. Maybe not of a five seed. I do think a five seed's extreme considering some of the bad losses I do think that's where you can offset it it's the seed line maybe they should be a 7 or even a 6 and that does make a difference because you go from instead playing a 4 seed in the, in the second round to all of a sudden playing a 3 seed that's a big difference the by, big by difference. some of the quality of teams that you'd be playing in the round of 32 so maybe they should be a 6 seed but also timing's everything for this Alabama team it doesn't matter how you put it who, who you put in front of them they could they could win or lose either way. They could beat anybody in college basketball.
2: And it's not that I don't want to see Alabama in the tournament because I do think they could make some noise possibly, but they could also go and lose their very first round. So
1: that, that's that's what biggest. would make thing. for an awesome tournament upset. Yes, it would. But five twelve. If you want to pull the trigger, Alabama was a five c That might be your five twelve. And they play
2: against a, like a, a high offensive team. Yeah, for sure. That could be a five twelve upset. But. You want to touch on this last making headline before we had to break?
1: Juwan Howard suspended for the remainder of the regular season for Michigan, and he's fined forty thousand dollars. You had some major, you had some major points about this yesterday. And Tom Izzo he's even was asked in a press conference, Michigan State's head coach was asked if he thought they should get rid of postgame handshake lines. And he had a phenomenal response basically saying, We need to be teaching people how to be classy when they lose, and the handshake lines are not the problem. Couldn't agree more. Right, exactly. I couldn't
2: agree more. And I think uh justin hokinson just tweeted out uh, a response from bruce pearl i think they asked him about that in his press conference So i'm going to read that go for during the. i'm going to read it i was, I was going to say oh, i was okay. going to read it during the break and we can kind of break it down when we come back well
1: let's take a break then we will have that when we come back you're listening to the tuesday edition of on the line radio alabama sports minute as well as some more about this juwan howard situation being suspended for the remainder of the regular season at michigan and he's fined forty thousand dollars. all that coming up here on the tuesday edition of on the line
2: Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goas, Noah Gardner with you today on the Tuesday edition of the show. I tried to tell you earlier, Noah, it was 2-22-22. It's Happy Tuesday today, if you look at the date. Isn't that pretty that's pretty cool, huh? Ooh. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was pretty cool. But, of course, in the last deuces segment... Deuces are wild. Deuces are everywhere today. But... Of course, in the last segment, we went through making headlines. We talked about the latest AP poll, Joe Lenardi's bracketology, Alabama basketball, and the Juwan Howard situation. But first, let's take a look at the Radio Alabama Sports Minute, and then we'll dive in to the Juwan Howard situation.
1: I'm Noel Gardner with your Radio Alabama Sports Minute college basketball's latest AP Top 25 was released with Auburn dropping one spot to number three after splitting with Vanderbilt and Florida last week. Gonzaga is the unanimous number one team in the country with number two Arizona, three Auburn, four Purdue, and five Kansas rounding out the top five. Auburn is one of five SEC teams to appear in the rankings with six Kentucky, 17 Tennessee, 18 Arkansas, and 24 Alabama being the other four teams to be in the top 25. As far as the biggest movers are concerned, Arkansas moved five spots up to number 18 and the biggest drop was Ohio State falling four spots to number 22. Number 24 Alabama basketball comes into tonight's game against Vanderbilt with a 17-10 overall record and 7-7 mark in the SEC. 14-12 Commodores are 6-8 in the SEC as they host the Crimson Tide and Memorial Gymnasium with SEC tournament seeding implications on the line. As of Tuesday morning, Alabama is favored by 4.5 points over Vanderbilt with the game at 8pm on SEC Network. Vanderbilt is coming off a 72-67 victory over Texas A&M this weekend, while Alabama is looking to bounce back from a nine-point loss in Rupp Arena at Kentucky on Saturday. According to Joe Lenardi's Bracketology, Alabama is currently a five-seed in the NCAA tournament picture. (laughs) I'm Noah Gardner, and that's your Radio Alabama Sports Minute.
2: That was your Radio Alabama Sports Minute, and so... Again, last segment in Making Headlines, we were talking about Jawan Howard and his suspension is out. He has suspended five games, which is through the regular season, and he has also fined $40,000. This a, is the
1: Michigan basketball coach for anybody out there that maybe doesn't know.
2: Yes, the Michigan basketball coach, of course, on Sunday afternoon, Michigan and Wisconsin played at Wisconsin. The game was over. There was some tension between the coaches. A timeout was called. The game was over. It was a 15-point lead with like a minute to go Michigan for full court pressing Wisconsin was calling timeouts and coaches got upset handshake line Jawan Howard took a swing at an assistant coach from Wisconsin so now he has suspended five games fined $40,000 the assistant coach on Wisconsin was fined $10,000 and a couple Michigan players were suspended no, the so, head coach was, oh, it was fine. the head coach excuse me yeah, guard yeah. got fined yeah. $10,000 the head coach got fined $10,000 and then a couple Michigan players also got suspended Noah what is your breakdown of this situation because there's been a lot of debate on whether we should get rid of the handshake lines and I know you and I both
1: agree on that that they should not do that do not get rid of the handshake line and you were talking about Bruce Pearl's comments that you saw on social media basically Bruce Pearl agrees with Tom Izzo that you shouldn't get rid of the the post-game handshake line that that's not the problem the post-game handshake line that is not the problem. If 99.9% of handshake lines can go off without an issue, just because the one time something happens, it wasn't the handshake line. Maybe it was the people in the handshake line. And maybe we should teach folks to have better interactions and to be respectful of one another rather than create excuses and get rid of things like this that are clearly not the issue that instead actually promote good behavior and respectful behavior and sportsmanship good things that should be a part of our game right and I think all too often we're making excuses in this country for things that we shouldn't be and this is just another thing the latest thing that's come up where people like well maybe we should get rid of the post game handshake like no maybe you should just deal with the loss a little bit better, right? Maybe maybe you should be more respectful to your opposition. And so I'll say this. I think the Big Ten has handled this well with the fines. I think that the Big Ten, I think they've handled this appropriately. I, I like everything that's been handed down. Greg Gard should not have touched Juwan Howard. I said that on yesterday's show. But the reaction to Greg Gard touching Juwan Howard was completely disproportional. And Jawan Howard came out
2: and made a, an apology, of course. He had to. That's how social media works nowadays. But came out, made an apology, shouldn't have done it, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And right? he may
1: be completely genuine. And he might be.
2: But, I mean, we see that with every bad situation in sports. They have to come out and say whatever. But Jawan Howard, fine for er, suspended regular season, fined $40,000, and that is that. We'll come back here on the live. We'll be back and we'll talk about uh, the Aaron Rodgers situation. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 1067 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob and Noah Gardner with you today on the Tuesday edition of the show. If you want to give us a call about anything we've talked about or anything else going on in the sporting world, give us a call here on the line, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We're going to head to the phone lines now, and we've got Terry on the show. Terry, welcome in.
5: Guys, how y'all doing?
2: We're doing well. What's on your mind?
5: Fantastic. Guys, uh, I'll call it about football, but I want to tell you, have y'all seen the Tom Izzo rant about that handshake line thing yet?
1: I did, yeah, and I, I thought it was really, really good.
5: That's spot on what that is.
1: Yeah, you're 100% correct.
5: So, I heard you guys talking a little bit uh, in the first hour about the football program and what's expected. I do expect them to blow a 25 point lead, and I sure, sure expect them to beat South Carolina, who they are better than, by the way.
1: Yes, 100%.
5: And um, so so while the schedule does look favorable from that, from that standpoint, what you guys were saying, you can't. You you just don't expect things like to happen. You sure as Tech don't expect to lose a 25 lead at home. Yeah. And I just I, look, look, guys. I'm not going back off what I said. I think Brian Harson's a crumb, and 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 I, I I think it's a bad choice. And let's 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 keep something in mind, guys. He's going to be working for a new president, new athletic director, most likely next year.
1: There's definitely a lot of things working against him. You're not wrong, Terry, and and I'm with you just because there's two sides to it I'm with you 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 can't blow a 25 point lead I said that at the time in the regular season also think you can't lose to South Carolina those were egregious losses right and this past year ended in an egregious way and I'm not excusing that but also we both know this and you know this because you've admitted it We you can't fire the guy you can't move on from him right now and so we're we're buckled up right we're buckled up for this year we're in the car we've got to go and we just hope we don't run into something right at the end. We hope we make it to the end of the ride, and you know we're we're just gonna have to find out what that looks like. But you are, hey, you right. you're having
5: lot... a simulator.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're this hoping morning. it's not real. Yeah, but I I just think when you get to the end, when when you get to the end of the season and you look at the schedule and you're like, okay, there's there's some favorable games here. Auburn, you should expect regardless of the talent of the roster, regardless of all the stuff circulating around the program of, like you said, the potentially uh, you know, definitely a new president, potentially a new athletic director down the line. You know, the, the loyalties regarding Brian Harsin will definitely be thinning and thinning because we saw that this offseason. Regardless of all of that, it's still Auburn football. It's still Auburn talent, and you should expect Auburn to win eight games. And I know you agree I just, with that.
5: I, I, absolutely. No, I agree 100%. I, I wish people would realize something. The game is played on the offensive side of the football now. So, while Jeff Smetting should get some, some, some compliments, certainly, but I do believe he took over the defense at some point last year, the late in the year. But you've got to know what's going on. That's the way you win out on offense. You don't win on defense anymore. I'm sorry. I'm not saying you can win with a sucky defense, but you can't be Ole Miss on defense. So, they went from 14th to 13th, to whoopee. Um, I, I just don't understand what people's line of, line of thinking is there. I don't. The, the game is played on offense now, and that's where Auburn has been horrible. And does anybody really believe that Zach Galzada is going to be the answer?
1: You know, I I've got optimism that maybe Auburn will get more consistency at quarterback this year. Now, will the top end of his performances be better than Bo Nix's best performances? Probably not. But no. I think Auburn will probably get, especially if he stays healthy, That that's a big point for any team out there. But if he stays healthy, I think Auburn can get more consistency at quarterback Uh, but there's a lot of other things wrong with the offense than just QB receivers you'd like to see the offensive line be better than what it is even though I don't think it's as bad as everybody makes it out to be just you need more talent around the QB it's not entirely their fault and I'm hoping that all the dysfunction that was on the offensive side from the coaching ranks I think there was probably some dysfunction there last year I hope that's gone and that's something that's got me optimistic about this coaching staff is that it's Brian Harson's now. There is no – I think everybody's on the same page moving forward this year. And
5: no, I, I don't I think you're saying no. I think you're spot on, dude. But I, I really do. But you've got to give the ball to Bigsby more, especially on third and short, fourth and short. I'm sorry. That, that bothered me. When you don't give the ball against Penn State and you throw the ball in the end zone, you don't give it to him yeah. in South Carolina. Bothered me, too. Any complete pass. I'm sorry?
1: Bothered me, too. You're 100% right. You've got to be able I, to I block did. for him though.
5: <laughs> you know, that just doesn't make any sense. And I just don't understand it, so. You know, I just, I just think we're looking at a five- and seven-year. It's and definitely I, I really possible. Do. I definitely do. I definitely think Brian Harson is still learning. to. And here's the key, guys, and this is the last thing I want to say. The key is not the coaching staff or his coaching ability. The key is them 30 recruits out there that he's not going to get any of, maybe two of or whatever. Well, you know, College Station and Athens and Tuscaloosa can use to laugh at him. That's what's going to happen.
1: Terry, we appreciate the call, my man. I hope you have a good Thank afternoon, bud. That was Terry on the line with us, 334-321-1390, or toll free at eight eight I'm going to expand on some of the things that he said there at the end of his call, because I don't think Terry's inherently wrong. Now, and I said this to you during a break, Jacob, there's some ways that people phrase things where we're kind of saying the same thing, but there's a different connotation to it. There's a half-glass-empty way to say it, and there's a half-glass-full way to say it, right? There, there, There's two different ways to look at it, I think, when you're saying the same thing sometimes, and... I agree with Terry. You could look at the team and you could see a lot of negatives with the program. Some things that are outside Brian Hartson's control that we experienced about two and a half weeks ago now. Some things from alignment from the top, right, that, that we've talked about in great detail. You can also look at the roster. At the end of January, once Auburn lost their bowl game in December, I said, look, you look at this roster right now, okay? You see all these transfers that have come out. If Auburn doesn't go and get some guys on offense in the transfer portal to fix this, this team may not be going to a bowl game next year. I did say that. I said that. Fast forward, two months later, Auburn hasn't done anything to help out their offensive situation. So Terry saying that this is a 5-7 and seven football team next year, it could be worse than 5-7 if the offense is that bad. But the half-class full way to approach this, I agree with them. The roster definitely has some issues. I do think this coaching staff has the ability to develop what is on the roster to a point where they do win eight games this year, maybe more. And if they do that, then I think the recruits will come. I think this coaching staff is taking it. There, there are different philosophies on how to build a program. Some, they start with recruiting. They may not have the results yet, but they may be great salesmen of their program, great recruiters, Bruce Pearls, if you will, able to recruit guys to come and play for a vision. And then ultimately when they achieve that vision, then the recruiting really takes off, which is where basketball is at right now, Right. Some coaches aren't as great at selling their vision to getting guys to come play for it, but they stick to that vision, they develop that vision, they establish that vision inside the program, and maybe they win with less. Maybe that's what they're great at, is winning with less. They find ways to win some football games, and the wins and the losses sell it to the recruits. And that's the route that this football program appears to be going, but that may not work it's the SEC after all and Jimmy's and Joe's sometimes that's more important than the X's and O's that was good I like that but I didn't invent that I I didn't come up with that I didn't figure you did no offense but it was pretty good but appreciate it Jacob (laughs) but
2: and I think you're kind of right when you talk about Brian Harson because there's no doubt that he's going to have to win with less right now because well that's
1: his approach he's not he's not a great salesman he's not a great networker that's clearly the route that he's going here but we've
2: had people call in and they're 100 percent right and this is the sec this isn't boise state you cannot compete on a high level with three stars you just can't do it you've got to be able to recruit but kentucky and, did it but they're not winning national championships No, that's that's not what this is a whole lot longer of a, of a build
1: than that though think know, about this like kentucky, not...
2: kentucky will never get there they will never get there
1: probably but Auburn can exactly what I'm trying to say so like I I agree with what you're saying I want to add on to this real quick I agree with what you're saying the first step for Auburn is to win nine games though on a consistent basis so the Kentucky route may not be a bad thing for Auburn because if Auburn does hit nine wins on a regular basis then the recruiting will take off I think then you can attract a higher echelon of player to come here that Kentucky can't attract because it's Kentucky football yeah and I agree
2: but at the same time you're not going to be able to do that in the sec west you're not going to win nine games if you have three stars I just no matter how good you are as a coach and developing and all that and
1: how did Ole Miss win 10 this year I'm just pushing back I like playing devil's advocate with you how did Ole Miss do it because Ole Miss on a consistent basis recruits worse than Auburn and barely outside that top 20 and
2: Lane Kiffin's a good coach but you're not going to see Ole Miss in my opinion you're not going to see them winning 10 games every year in and out I don't see that happening and Auburn may come out next year and win 10 games I doubt it but that could be something that could happen but to be consistent and to be good consistently in the SEC West, you've got to have guys that can play football. You've got to have some dudes on that roster. It can't be done with three stars consistently. Yeah, you may have a good year every now and then, here and there. But How did Dan Mullen do it? Same way. Same way. I think Dan Mullen's a good coach. I liked him.
1: But he was fairly consistent. I mean, he won, consistent. he won on average about eight or nine games every year. And I think if you do that at Auburn, you might be able to sell that to recruits that, hey, we, you can be the difference. You can help elevate the program, right? That's winning with less. And Auburn inherently is going to bring in more four stars than a Mississippi State or an Ole Miss or an Arkansas because it's Auburn, right? So it, it sells itself already to a degree, he just may not be bringing in the five stars to take it to the next level. So I still don't think, everybody's saying that Auburn's just going to be bringing in three stars all the time. I don't buy that either. I, th- I think Auburn easily should be able to get their fours that they want.
2: They should, but we're not, when you break it down, Auburn's not competing with Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Auburn should be better than those schools. You know I what agree saying? with you. They should be competing with Alabama and Georgia and LSU at times as well. Because but I'm Auburn, saying
1: to get to that point, Auburn's got to consistently beat those mississippi states the old miss is the arkansas which who, by the way finish right higher than auburn in the sec standings this year and if they do that I mean, you have broken down this schedule if auburn wins those games they're a non-win team next year they're an eight-win team next year I, i'm just saying the steps to competing with alabama and georgia that that is years down the line guys that's years down the line you got you got to beat these other teams that auburn hasn't been beating with consistently you're 100 percent right the, you, let's just be real about it you're 100 percent
2: right but i think Winning this year, like that, winning this year will be the 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 light to the flame, or you know, the flame or whatever you want to call it. They're gonna be winning this season has got to happen. Because yeah, if, if, it's got to. You got to win this year with what you got, and then, like you said, yes, you can then start to say, look, if you can if you can win nine games and back to back seasons, then like you said, you can start saying to recruits, look, this is what we're trying to build here. This is what we're wanting to do. Come be a part of it come be a part of it and come take this thing to the next level but you can't do that you may not
1: even get to that point though he may if not if you have. don't win now
2: if a bad season this year I don't see Brian Harson staying I think they'll find that reason they'll fire him they'll pay him the money and they'll move on from this whole situation but I like the fact that Brian Harson still has a shot to do what he wants to do here it's it's an uphill battle I mean it is you're looking at a almost straight up incline but he's got a shot and he he claims that he has the best plan in place. He's the best guy for the job. He wants Auburn to be great because he wants to be great. I believe in all of that. So I'm glad that he at least gets the chance. But what do I always say? Winning cures all. So if he can start winning games, Auburn's going to be just fine.
4: little on-the-line
1: Q&A now before we go to break. Um, we're going to do two questions here. So I'm going to ask you the first one. Which two seed? is most likely to take which one seed's current spot in Joe Lenardi's bracketology. So I'm asking you, which two and one seed would you swap currently down the line if you had to predict? If, that was, if that's what's going to happen, if I made you do that, which would you switch out? I'm going to get really
2: hated here, but I would, if, if I had to make a prediction of one of those things happening, of a two seed taking over a one seed in the tournament, I would pick Kentucky over Auburn i think just
1: because there's the potential for the two to meet each other they're they're on a they're on a collision course to hit in the sec championship kentucky's remaining schedule with injuries doesn't concern you
2: i don't think so i think they're playing well i think if they can get healthy and they can win out and make a run and win not, not necessarily make a run but win the sec championship game beating auburn I could see it happening, especially if Auburn drops a game at Tennessee on Saturday or loses even earlier in the SEC tournament. Not that that's going to happen because Kentucky could do the exact same thing.
1: What does a loss to Arizona do? Does Arizona all of a sudden drop out as a one seed if they lose one game? Does Arizona have to be perfect from here out? I would what I'm trying to say so. is there's yeah. probably less that – so I'm just playing devil's advocate here, just throwing another scenario at you because I get what you're saying. If Kentucky wins out, including a win over Auburn to the SEC Tournament Championship, and Auburn like loses one more game from here in the regular season then loses to Kentucky in the SEC Tournament, I'll agree with you. Kentucky should be the one seed over Auburn because of the head-to-head result there, right, and the way that the two are playing at the end of the season, that 100% would warrant Kentucky being the one seed. I get that. that there's more that has to happen there, though, than – and, and, and less likely things, I think that have to happen. That Arizona drop in one
2: game from here out. But they play. If you look at the rest of Arizona's schedule, they have Utah, Colorado, a ranked game at USC, Stanford, and Cal. I just don't this. And Arizona, the Pac-12 tournament. And the
1: Pac-12 tournament, but could be a loss. Could be a loss to UCLA. We've seen some upsets in the in the Pac-12 tournament for sure. But I just don't see
2: Arizona having to play anybody until they get to UCLA. That is going to beat them not that arizona is i think just sc this, can beat them maybe but i think arizona is a decent basketball team they're the
1: number two
2: team in the country they're for a, a very reason, good team guys. i'm just saying
1: there's one lo- one loss can take arizona out of the one seed equation
2: but if even if they lose in the regular season and then win their conference title they'll still be a one seed.
1: so let me ask you this which is more likely arizona loses one more game here in the regular season throws them off that one line i think it would throw them out of the one line just because of the way the Pac-12 has been. They're not getting great. So Arizona loses one game in the regular season, throws them off the one line, or Auburn loses again in the regular season and loses to Kentucky in the SEC Tournament Championship, which is more likely. Arizona, Auburn doing that, or Arizona mm. losing one in the regular season. You brought down Arizona's schedule. Colorado can beat them. Colorado's not a bad team in the Pac-12. I mean, compared to the rest of the Power 5 conferences, Colorado obviously does not have the type of arm strength that some other teams have but they still have a winning record in the Pac-12. Stanford has a winning record in the Pac-12 and USC is ranked. I'll
2: I'll take there's a better chance that Arizona loses in the regular season than Auburn losing both of those games.
1: Welcome to the fun side, my man. Yeah, welcome, I would take to this. Side.
2: I would take that
1: logically, realistically, yes. Just what because, about Kansas losing a couple of games of the Big Twelve down the stretch? Who do they have left on their remaining schedule? There's Let bound to be up. ranked teams left for Kansas, but they play Kansas State tonight, who's been surging recently. Yeah. Well, what if they got upset tonight? They're off the one line, and
2: Kentucky's back on. You're right. They play Kansas State tonight. They travel to Baylor on Saturday night. Two straight games against TCU, and they end the game at home or end the season at home against
1: Texas. The I'm
2: just only, saying, I mean, Auburn's
1: not the team I think that people should be picking a fight with right now. No,
2: but I'm saying when you look at it, it there's a shot that Kentucky yeah. wins out and beats Auburn in the SEC championship game because it's hard to beat a team twice. I mean, it is. It's hard to beat a team twice, and it's, especially if Kentucky gets healthy.
1: I think it's more likely you have two SEC teams on the one line, though, than. Yeah, I could see that than dropping Auburn for Kentucky. That's the argument that I'm making. It's more likely that Auburn and Kentucky are both on the one line than Auburn dropping for Kentucky, right? I also don't like Purdue as a one seed. They're, they're not four.
2: one right now, though, Exactly. They? Yeah. No, they're not. They're the number four team in the country, but they're not a one seed. They finish out with Michigan State, who is right outside the top 25, number 13, Wisconsin, Indiana, who just took Ohio State to overtime, and then a hard Big Ten tournament. I see Purdue dropping at least one more game before then, so I don't see Purdue getting a one seed either.
1: I'm just saying there's a lot. Less that has to happen, and it's also, in my opinion, it's more likely that some of these other things happen that could throw Arizona or Kansas off the one line than Auburn, which would mean that it's more likely, in my mind, that two SEC teams – make it on to the one make it on as one seeds as opposed to having Arizona and Kansas both there and so that's that's my take on where it kind of stands at the moment but we'll take a break here and when we come back Jacob's got a question for me to round out on the line Q&A talk a little Aubrey baseball as well as we'll tell you what's coming up in college basketball tonight wrapping up the Tuesday edition of on the line Noah Gardner Jacob Goins with you on the show Let's step aside here, wrapping up hour number one to listen to uh, what's going to be on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Crime show lineup on CBS with new episodes of FBI, FBI International, and FBI Most Wanted going from 7 to 10. The finals of Jeopardy National College Championship is on ABC at 7. In live sports, let's take a look at the college basketball schedule for tonight. 6 p.m. time slot recently removed from the top 25. Michigan State is at number 25 Iowa on ESPN. Over on ESPN2, Florida looks to add to its resume after knocking off Auburn with a home game against number 18 Arkansas number 17 Tennessee is at Missouri on SEC Network while Georgia is at Texas A&M on ESPNU top 25 battle in the Big East with number 8 Villanova at number 21 UConn on FS1 at 7 8 p.m. time slot rivalry matchup between Kansas State and number 5 Kansas at 8 p.m. on ESPN and number 24 Alabama is at Vanderbilt on SEC Network I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight Wrapping up, hour number one of the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We're going to finish up On the Line Q&A. Jacob's got a question to ask me now about Auburn baseball.
2: So for Auburn baseball, Noah, there's 15 non-conference games before SEC play. Undefeated, never lost. (laughs) There's 15 non-conference games before SEC play on March 17th for this Auburn baseball team. What should the Tigers' minimum record be going into SEC play?
1: So let's see, they're 2-1 right now. 2-1 and one yeah, after their series more. in Texas, yes. I think they should be 15-3 and three at least going into SEC play. And I understand that baseball, like Britt Bowen said in our first hour of the show when we had him on of Auburn Sports Network, baseball and softball, are those weird games, where, you know, one day it's just not there for you. You hit a bajillion, hardly hit balls to people in place, right? And some days it's just not your day, right? You just unlucky things happen. <laughs> um you know things all part of god's plan right but i think when you when you break it down with this team they are better than everybody left on their schedule and they should you can feasibly say auburn should win every game from here out but that's not going to happen because it's baseball so I think, you know, let's just factor in two losses there. I don't want to see more than two losses. I want to see some sweeps because that's what all the other good teams are going to be doing in the SEC. They're going to be sweeping your Albanese. They're going to be sweeping your Middle Tennessee States. They're going to be sweeping these bad teams that they're playing on the weekend that Auburn's going to be playing. These cold-weather teams that are coming out of the southeast have to migrate because it's too cold to play up there. You should beat these teams. It's, it's very fair to say that Auburn should be 15-3. and three. This team needs to be well above five hundred If they want to be in the NCAA tournament at the end of the season – that, this is how you get there. You got to get some sweeps. And so I, I'm going to say 15-3 and at least coming out of non-conference play.
2: That's a fair mark to put on it because, like you said, the good teams, the great teams from the SEC, they beat up on non-conference opponents. They use these as warm-ups for when SEC play rolls around. And so, yeah, I would say that Auburn, out of their next 15 non-conference games, should only lose a couple more because it is baseball. Obviously, you know how baseball and softball works. Some days, like you said, it's just not your day, and things can go wrong in the game one pitcher has a bad outing and the game is over so that happens in baseball and softball but i think auburn should only lose a couple more games in non-con schedule before they open up uh, sec play
1: and excluding the midweek games that happen once sec play starts if you factor in like a 14 and 16 or a 13 and 17 sec record You're looking at a 28 and 20 or a 29 and 19 Auburn baseball team. Once again, excluding the midweek games that happen in between that you should be looking to win, and you'll drop a couple there. But that means a 30 plus win Auburn baseball team that's going to be, you know, give or take eight or nine games above 500 if all of that works out in non conference play. That'll get you in the NCAA tournament. And that's exactly where Auburn needs to be looking to head back to. Now, that may be too lofty of expectations for me to give an SEC play, but that's how you make a regional. And I think it's fair to expect that out of of an SEC team that's trying to rebuild out, out of this year. And after their start, I think it's fair to say that there's some potential for that.
2: Auburn baseball is looking to make the tournament. I know every team is looking to do that. But besides rebuilding this program again, Auburn expects to make the NCAA tournament for this baseball team. I think they can do so. Every year. And I think they can do so again this year. But it starts with the non-con games. you got to get good, get better, and win those games before you hit a tough
1: SEC schedule. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.